All right. Hey, we're so uh, pleased that you're joining us again here um, on this digital gathering on this, I believe, week number nine of uh, these times. And, and before we jump into today's message, I just want to uh, talk about something that a lot of folks are talking about these days, and that is uh, when our uh, church is going to open their campuses again. Some churches are talking about um, gathering together on May 31st. Then you have other churches that say, hey, we're not gathering until there's a vaccine. And then you got everything in between. And, and I just want to let you know what we're thinking and also some things to remember about this. First and foremost, um, remember the church has never been closed. The buildings have been closed, but the bride of Christ has never been closed. And, and I've heard of some really wonderful things God is doing in our midst during this time when we, when we are unable to meet in, in the building, that God is, is still working and is still doing some incredible things in people's lives. Um, I do wanna let you know that we do have a work group that's met and will continue to meet that will be looking at what is the best timing for us as a church to open up our buildings again. And it's made up of folks from Baseline who are in different positions of leadership and healthcare professionals and our elders and some staff. And, and we'll be looking at this and, and really trying to figure out what's the best time for us to open. And with that, there are a couple of things is, is that um, we want to open for what is best for our community, Baseline, and the community around us. We don't wanna compare ourselves with other churches and when they're opening or not opening, but we wanna make a decision that is best for our people and the community that we are in. And, and it probably will happen in phases over time. And it will be a process of, of this happening. And um, as we do that, we wanna make sure that we communicate really well with you in terms of how this is happening and when this is happening. And we will make a decision that minimizes the risk for the people of Baseline and really maximizes the spiritual impact of when we can open. And even the spiritual impact of staying closed because we do, again, believe God is doing some really powerful, powerful things. And like I said, we will communicate this on these Sunday mornings, we'll communicate it through the um, email that comes out from the church every week and on our website, and just to make sure that everyone knows what's going on. And we, we welcome any thoughts or questions that you might have. And then the last thing I'd ask for you on in this uh, topic is that please pray for our leadership team as we make this decision. Pray that God gives us great wisdom and also pray that we would experience the unity of Christ around something that could cause there to be division. And that's the last thing I believe the Lord would want in this situation. So pray for wisdom and pray for unity. And in fact, I think, um, let's just take a moment right now and, and pray those way, along those lines. Let's pray together. Uh, so Lord, uh, we never had, would have imagined that we would have had two months like we've had. And yet, Lord, we know that you have been at work and will continue to be at work. And so I just pray that you would give the leadership of Baseline great wisdom as we um, look to opening up our campuses again in the future, that you would help us to um, be really wise and um, 
make a decision that is uh, good for across the whole board of all the people that call Baseline their home. And then I also just pray, Lord, that, that we would uh, find a unity in this, uh, that there would be no division, nothing divisive, Lord, would be able to creep in, but that we as a church would be united and um, come out of this with joy and expectation of what you're going to do in us and through us, Lord. And it is in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for praying for us. We really appreciate that and need it. Um, so we are continuing our series of kind of looking at the early church and seeing how it lines up with where we are today. And, and you know, uh, 2,000 years after the time of Christ, the church is still here and is still flourishing. And, and there are um, some reasons why that happened early on, and I think reasons that continue to make a difference here today. You know, the disciples were told to wait and to wait for the Holy Spirit, and that really was the Holy Spirit that was moving and moving in people's lives. They, they gathered and they prayed. Uh, they knew the Old Testament scriptures really well. And um, as they were gathering and praying, you might remember in, in chapter one and then going into chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes on them and we have what's called the day of Pentecost. And all these people here, they're a native language being spoken. And so a large crowd is gathered. And, and, and a large crowd gathers and you might go, well, what are you gonna say to these people? What, what is gonna be the, the message that you have? And, and, and it's not... Um, seven ways to a better life or five steps to a new you or, or 13 reasons you can have a great marriage. That's not the message that the disciples shared. In fact, in fact Peter stands up that day on Pentecost. And, and Peter's the one who was a fisherman who was chosen by Jesus and, and walked with Jesus and learned from him and then, and then um, denied even knowing him and, and wept on that night and saw his Lord crucified. And then he sat with him after he had um, been resurrected and he walked with him for those days. And Peter's the one who stands up. And what Peter does and what we see through the whole book of Acts is that Peter shares the gospel, tells them, this crowd that's gathered, about Jesus. He just starts off by talking a little bit about the Old Testament and, and how the Old Testament ties into Jesus and what he's done and who he is. And then in um, verse 22, he says this. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I love that line. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And, and this gospel message, and all throughout Acts, this is the message. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And that's what Peter preaches that day. 
And then Peter, uh, the people go, well, what, what must we do to be saved? How, what is, how can we change our lives? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. Repent is this beautiful word, which means change the way you're thinking, change the way you're living. In essence, do a 180 and live your life differently and be baptized, be a part of a community. And 3,000 people respond on that day as, as Peter has been, has been talking about Jesus. And then all through the book of Acts, whether it's uh, Peter and John or um, uh, Silas or uh, Barnabas or Timothy or John or Philip or Paul or whoever it might be, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, all of them share this good news about Jesus wherever they have the opportunity to do so. Because it is the gospel, which means good news, the gospel of Jesus that changes people's lives. It's someone speaking words about Jesus. These are words that have power that can actually grab someone's heart and change the way they live. You know, uh, Jesus, when he was starting his ministry, he also talked about the gospel. And he said something that was a little different. It's one of the first things that comes out of his, his mouth in Mark chapter one. It says this, it says, after John, John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news or gospel of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. And for Jesus, his message of the gospel is this, that the kingdom of God has entered into our kingdom of the world and is transforming things to be as God desires it to be. Jesus talked about this message. He lived it out in beautiful ways. You know, he would say things like, the, the first shall be last, uh, the meek shall inherit the earth, uh, you should love your enemies, you can have your sins forgiven. I mean, so much about this is what it's like to live in God's kingdom. And then he, he showed people how to live in step with God, his Father. How to be a person of prayer, how to be a person who is humble, a person who is willing to serve others, a person who is generous, a person who is giving. That this is what it means to live in God's kingdom, a different way of living. And that's the kingdom that Jesus proclaimed. And then I love that in the book of Acts, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is what's proclaimed. And so it's as if the proclaimer, Jesus, becomes proclaimed in the book of Acts. That his life is what they talk about. His death and his resurrection is what he talks about. And that this good news breaks the hold of sin and death on our lives this good news brings grace and mercy to us. And the gospel is the power that changes people's lives. This good news, these words about Jesus, this, these words about his life and his death and his resurrection changes people. 
Ultimately, they, they ultimately turn around, change the way they're thinking, and go a whole different direction in life. And, and the Apostle Paul was one person who was dramatically changed by Jesus. And in, um, you might remember, it was on the road to Damascus, and, and he meets the risen Jesus in a vision, and his life is totally changed. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes out the clearest picture of what the gospel is to him. And, and here's what he says. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. And so he says, here, I'm going I'm to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. And, and this one really beautiful statement, he says, by this gospel, you are saved. The, um, the verb tense there is, is interesting. And, and what it really is meaning is, by this, you are being saved. It's, it's something that isn't finished yet, right? And, and we all know this that we are not finished products of what Jesus wants to do in our lives. And, and, and Paul knew that in his own life. He knew that for the Corinthians, that he, that wasn't, but that the gospel continues to do its work in us now. And then he goes on to describe the gospel. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's uh, Peter, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. And, and so uh, Paul reminds them again what this gospel is. And he says that, that Jesus died for them on the cross for their sins. And he says, according to the Old Testament scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again, according to the Old Testament scriptures. But then he says there's also witnesses all around that saw Jesus was alive. 500 of them. And he says that this, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, is what changes people, even himself. Even though he never met Jesus personally while Jesus was on the earth in his ministry, he met him on the road to Damascus. And then he wraps up this section with this beautiful statement. He says, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. What a beautiful statement. By the grace of God, I am what I am. That the other truth about this gospel is that it is a gospel of grace couple different definitions of grace I like. One is that it's God's unmerited favor towards us. 
Another one is that it's, it's God accomplishing in my life what I am unable to do on my own. That I can't save myself. I can't pay the price for my own sin. I can't turn my life around on my own. That it's only, only through the grace of God and the grace that we see in this gospel. That grace brings about a changed life. And that is what Paul would preach. It's what Peter would preach. It's what Barnabas would preach. It's what every one of the folks in the early church was preaching. That it's the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus that changes people's lives. That gives them grace. So I was thinking about this. So what if a friend of mine asked me one day, Hey, Don, can you, can you tell me what this gospel is all about. What, what's this thing about God? Do you seem to be, God seems to be important to you and, and tell me what does this mean in your own life? And, and here's what I would say to them kind of quickly. Um, and again, it depends on how long the conversation is. Hopefully the conversations you have with people happen over the course of even years or months or whatever. But if it's, if it's a quick conversation, here's what I would say. First thing is I would, I would bring up the word creation. And I would say that um, there is a God and that out of his love, he created this world. He created us. He created us to be first and foremost in a relationship with him and then in a relationship with one another. And that he knows best how to live this life because he's created life. And that he's done everything for us out of love. That's creation. The second word I'd use is fall. And by that, I mean that, that humankind in general has said to God, hey, I want nothing to do with you. And, and I have said that to God too. That, that I know how to best run my life. And I don't need you directing me. I don't want much to do with you. In fact, every once in a while maybe, but I can run life on my own. And, and what this is, is that is that's sin. And what sin does is it breaks this relationship with God. It also breaks the relationship we have with others. And we see, we see the evidence of living in a sinful, broken, fallen world all around us. And the thing of it is, try as we can, we cannot solve this problem on our own. We cannot solve this sin and this fall that's happened in our, our lives. So you have creation and fall. And then the third word is this beautiful word, redemption. Hmm. That, that God was not content to just sit back and allow his creation to continue in the direction it was headed, in the direction of a sin-driven, a sin-destroyed world. And that God, the Son, came into his creation, was born as a baby, and they was given the name Jesus. And, and that Jesus talked to people about, here's how you live life with God the Father. He, he modeled it, like I said before, this is what it means to live with God the Father. And he showed people how to live this way. 
And he talked about qualities like love and humility, forgiveness, serving others, compassion, generosity, all these things that this is how you are to live. And even though he was sinless, even though he lived that way, he kind of got in the crosshairs of the religious and political authorities of his day and they arrested him and tried him and ultimately crucified him on a cross. And we believe that on that cross, he was paying the price for our sin. That he's paying the price for my sin and for your sin. And that the hold of sin was broken through his death and then his resurrection. That, that sin and death no longer has a hold on us. And, and that we truly can live differently. Because fear has been overcome by love. So creation, fall, redemption, and then the last word I would share is renewal. That, that, that again, this is not about God giving us just a, a get out of jail free card or sort of fire insurance from hell, but this renewal that he wants to do in our life, that the gospel, this good news of Jesus wants to do in our life, is to make us more like Christ. Is to, is to put those qualities of this is how life is supposed to be lived, to put those in us. And with the hold of sin and death broken, we can now experience life with God empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can be people of the way of Jesus. People who, who live differently in this kingdom because we're a part of of the kingdom of God. So creation, fall, redemption, and renewal. And just a reminder that many of us have maybe been Christians for a long time, but that we need to understand and experience the gospel each and every day so that God can continue to renew us and make us into who he wants us to be. So the gospel is the good news about Jesus. It has the power to change our lives. It has the power to take a life which was headed in one direction and turn it around and have it go a totally different direction in God's kingdom. And I just want to end with one final look at, at, at a, something in Acts. And it's a really, I think for our time, it's a really um, important point. And it happens in Acts chapter 5. And um, Peter and, and his, the apostles are talking about Jesus. They get arrested because of that. They're thrown in jail. They're taken before the Sanhedrin, which are the um, religious leaders of that day. And they're kind of tried. And, and the religious leaders don't know what to do with them. Some want to kill them. Some want to let them go. Finally, they say, okay, we're going to let you go. Uh, they let these folks go. And they're beaten and flogged and told, stop talking about Jesus. Do not talk about Jesus. And then in verse 41 of chapter 5, we read this. It says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Isn't that powerful? They're arrested, they're flogged and beaten, and yet they come out rejoicing. And then they're told, don't 
talk about Jesus, and yet every day they continue to talk about Jesus. And, and I like how it says that they uh, talk about Jesus in the temple courts, probably a large crowd of people maybe gathered around, but they also talked about Jesus and shared the gospel house to house, with person to person, family to family. And today, there's a lot of us that are like, oh, can't meet in church. It's almost to feel like, gosh, the gospel, there's no way to share the gospel anymore. And yet I wanna challenge us something. I wanna challenge this thing through, what does it mean for us to share the gospel today, house to house, neighbor to neighbor, friend to friend, family member to family member? It's difficult, I know. You know, last week I was at home and, um, uh, which I'm at home a lot these days, as we all are, and kind of the, uh, the mail came. And like, whenever the mail comes, that's like the big part of the day, right? So the mail came in, there's a letter in there. And I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And it's written, handwritten address, and someone from Michelle S. from Montclair. And I don't go, I don't know who that is, but a couple things in here, and there's this letter, and it's, it's a handwritten letter. Dear Dirk's family, Dirk's is spelled correctly, which is pretty amazing. And then this woman, Michelle, has written a letter talking about the days we're in and what's going on. And have you ever thought that maybe God could answer some of your questions? And then there's a pamphlet in there that takes you to the Jehovah's Witness website. And I thought, wow, this whole stay at home, shelter in place order hasn't stopped Michelle from passionately telling people about what she believes. And it just got me thinking, what would it look like for me to have the same passion as her? What would it look like for us as a church to think about how can I, in this time, share this incredible news of God's love for us, of his, of his grace for us, of, of the life-changing gospel of Jesus with people house to house? Think about it. So two things to take away today. The first one is this. Do you realize that the gospel is still at work in your life right now? That this good news of who Jesus is and what he's done and how he taught and all that is still at work to change and transform you. Know that it is still at work in you. And then secondly, how can we as the church as the bride of Christ, share the gospel house to house in these days. Because the gospel really is what people need. That's what they need today. Let's go house to house, how we can do that. Let me pray for us. So Lord, thank you for the gospel. Thank you how it transforms our lives, how it changes us. And I pray, Lord, that you would empower us to change others, to share this gospel in such a way that it makes a difference and that people's lives truly can be transformed by you. Give us the names of folks that we can share this good news with. Give us courage to step out in faith 
And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, Kyle's going to lead us in a song of response that reminds us that this gospel is uh, still at work today and still at work in you.